I don't understand like this whole Rock Nation brunch rhetoric about oh we're now going to be shifting the culture and we're going to be elevating people. It's like no, but it's just it's just an Instagram battle. You play music, the end. It's like maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see why we're here. <laughs> I just don't see why we have gotten here. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. You're here today with your host, Yves McKenzie. Nicholas Terrell. And Chopin. And it is a new episode. It's episode three of season six. It is 2021, just to remind you in case you forgot. And we are here today to talk all things music and culture. Just very quickly, I want to give a shout out to a podcast called The Motion. And we're going to put a little snippet just in this section here. So please feel free to check out that podcast. It's a new, it's a fairly new podcast. It's a d- debate podcast hosted by a black woman and we just wanted to kind of put some spotlight on um, a podcast at the moment might be something we do more in the future as we discover more but um, check out the motion hey i'm faye oj a software engineer by day and a conversation curator before during and after that i host the podcast called the motion which sees two guests with conflicting opinions fight to win my vote on emotion in a range of topics from music to culture to politics to sport no matter what the topic is the motion aims to get your emotions in motion nick shoppe how are you guys today yeah i'm good um been a it's been you know what it's been a bit traumatizing in the media this week but in terms of me personally and stuff i feel like energized I'm eating healthy all of that kind of stuff so yeah i just feel good back on the greens and healthy stuff so i feel good good how about you eden and shoppe how's everyone uh shoppe do you want to go next i have nothing to say i'm okay okay good um i'm actually good i'm actually good this week um i had therapy yesterday and it was a very interesting session and um i think for me i found quite a few new spiritual teachers that i'm excited to kind of learn a lot from so there's this guy called sad guru um who is a very popular spiritual teacher there's also someone called um apologies if i get the name wrong tick nat I can't remember the last part, but he's a um, he's a Zen Buddhist who teaches about staying in the present moment and stuff. So I've really been kind of investing into this kind of new way of living and existing in the present moment. Um, looking forward to when we get out of lockdown. Um, shout out to Alex Holmes, who reminded me that we have 99 days until we're free and we're and we're kind of we have the vaccination and all these different types of things. My parents had it recently as well um so yeah it seems to be going well we'll see what happens it's a better week than it was last week so do you feel do you feel more because something the listeners might or might not know is that you were like hyper aware and like paranoid not paranoid hyper aware sorry about the the virus and everything how do you feel about coming to london or seeing friends and stuff like that if you get the vaccine and stuff like that do you feel at ease do you feel like you're still watching like how do you feel so yeah that's that's a good question because i think out of all three of us i i'm the one that's kind of been a hermit i haven't left my house in over a year now um to actually go out into the city or like see friends or anything like that in general um so for me i am i'm not so much afraid of coronavirus it's more so 
I have always just tried to not give it to my family because they have health complications. Um, out of all of out of all of us, I'm the only one that kind of doesn't have like asthma or like um, bronchitis or any of those different types of um, chest infections or um, respiratory um, health dis diseases. Diseases isn't the right word, but you get what I mean. Um, so in terms of seeing people, I don't know if I'm going to be honest. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't feel like we're ever going to be in a place where it's going to be a hundred percent certain. I don't think that's ever a reality in anything. Um, there will always be this kind of fear of coronavirus, and I I kind of envision that I'll probably still carry my mask around with me just in case. But I don't know if I'll see my friends um as soon as kind of boris is saying waiting and see my dad said as soon as he gets his second injection he's going to um barbados so <laughs> i don't listen that's me I don't that's know, so. he, your, your dad is me <laughs> tell tell him literally to get to people <laughs> when he gets yeah. it but like nah for real for real it's definitely a watch and just see the club will not see me if it opens in june it won't see me maybe maybe august september but not not in june um mm. yeah i'm not doing that and the mask like as you said will definitely be worn you know people in london are dirty so <laughs> you know i've definitely seen some things during this lockdown mm. period that i'm just like people are not taking this seriously so yeah 100 percent. we'll still keep the mask on and for pollution and you know yeah i think there's going to be a change in lifestyle as well so i actually don't know if i will be in london as much um I don't want to jinx it, but me and a friend are kind of looking for places to eventually move into in where I'm currently at right now. So if I can work from home, well, I will be. I've already agreed with my manager that I'll work from home like three days a week and come to London two days a week. I, I don't think there'll be a need for me to actually travel as much to London, but we'll see what happens. Um, That's dope. And yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it into fate's hands at the moment because no one has no any idea what's going to happen. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Shabe, did you do you think you're gonna go back to normal living soon? Um, I'll just see how it goes. One day at a time. Yeah, I think that's best. Yeah. Cool. Uh, unless there was anything else, should we go straight into the music section? Let's do it. Um, yeah, right. Let's get into the music. I have um three slash four things. I'm not gonna go into detail. I'm just gonna say what they are, then move on. The first is Clear Souls, Rose in the Dark. The second is Amel LaRue's Ice Cream Every Day. And then Patrick Page's new single with Steve Lacey and Duran Bernard and Alan Love called Whisper, What My Love. And um, I just want to shout out um, Jenny Aiko for 10 Years of Sailing Souls. That was a, a project that was everything to me back then. And it's just mad that it's turning 10. And that is me. Cool. Uh, Nick, do you want to go next? Um, it's usually you, but I just wanted... I'll, oh, okay. I'll, I'll go. That's fine. It's, I'll, I'll go. But um, I just wanted to say that, like, um, obviously, with Janae Aiko, um, Shopee did, like, a great thread on Twitter as well. And I think he's the biggest fan out of all of us three of Janae. So it's, it's definitely, hopefully, she can kind of celebrate it in a tour way when, you know, things open up. I don't even know if tours are going to happen this year. But if they do, hopefully, she can kind of celebrate that on her next run live because obviously it's hard she can't do anything now because we're in a pandemic but mm. yeah it's just interesting that so much time has gone by um since that kind of era you know Janae Tanache, the weekends early stuff Miguel um Frank of course just yeah 
time flies when you're having fun, I guess, with music. But great project. And yeah, if you get a chance, stream her this week. It'll be the next week, but still. But um, in terms of what I've been listening to, I will go to... I haven't been listening to a lot, to be honest with you, in terms of, like, projects. But um, I listen to, weirdly enough, like, I think I've spoken about him on the podcast before, um, Nick Jonas's Spaceman, which was released yesterday. Um, it's an 11-track pop album, like, pretty standard pop. Like, it did, doesn't veer from anything really outside of the normal pop upbeat single like to be honest with you it's just 11 versions of that or sometimes reverting back to the you know pop ballad um kind of architect from i'd say the 2000s like mid to late 2000s that kind of um remnants it, it still sound, sounds like he could be an adult signed to like disney records or whatever like it definitely is that kind of sound but um, I found that I've enjoyed some of his older albums, if that makes sense. Like, he just is easy on the ear to listen to. Um, so his first debut album, Self-Titled, in 2014, um, I really enjoyed. And obviously the singles such as, like, Chains and Jealous and stuff, um, just really smooth listens. This is really odd for me because I really like experimentation usually. But out of, like, the pop stars who are still here, I mean, he's not a juggernaut, but, like, he still sells because of his name. Um, I, I, for some reason, enjoy it. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed Numb with, like, Agent Angel Hayes on his first album um, as well, outside of, like, the fully um, pushed first singles and stuff. Um, and I Want You um, was great as well. But on this particular album, I think, you know, he's reflecting on... I think it's like his love and his marriage that he's kind of in right now. I think it's definitely just a project centered around love. Like every song is kind of a different kind of experience with someone who's, you know, you're connected to, you love, whatever. But um, yeah, it's an easy listen. It's a smooth listen. It's nothing special. I would give it probably like a, a 6.57. Nothing to like cry home about or like shout about or rave about. But if you just need something, I found like during the pandemic, it's easier to digest things that are just really easy to consume. Nothing, no illusions, nothing to kind of analyze or overanalyze just, yeah, like really simple on the ear. And that is really interesting because there are some artists that do this. Um, this same kind of formula that I don't take to. So it's just interesting. I really want to investigate why I like Nick Jonas as he like releases projects. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that he's my favourite. I'm saying it's quite just standard, straight down the middle pop. Like it's not anything outside of that. But um, yeah, I just enjoy listening to it. Maybe it's just the easiness of it all, but yeah. If you need something easy to digest while you're working this week, because it will be Tuesday, um, or just something on a walk in a in a meeting, um, in a break from work or outside of work, definitely just listen to this. It's called Spaceman, as I just said. So that's Nick Jonas. Um, I also played um, Central Seas Wild West. Um, he's from Shepherd's Bush, so down my side, it's like more Western, but still from west london um 
he's obviously a rising drill rapper, but he obviously wants to be called uh, a rapper at large. Um, I've read like recent interviews and stuff, but I would say that he is definitely someone who you can hear on every single song. I think with some drill and trap artists, like as we've mentioned on this podcast before, um, their intonations and how they pronounce things can sometimes be lost in either the production or just how they stylistically rap. But um, I think he's very witty, comedic, um, and just it's easy. It's easy raps. It's easy. It's really simple. It's not. It's not basic simple or dumb down simple. But he's witty, which shows that obviously he's got some skill in the writing department. But in terms of just the standard lines in his in his verses, they are very easily digestible. It's just nonchalant. It's very much in your face. This is what I'm talking about and I don't care like kind of like shrug and like you can take it or leave it kind of thing that's the energy he gives off um I think he's talented I think he's definitely got something and especially if he wants to um venture outside of the drill kind of space it would be interesting to hear what he um what he works on um on some of the songs um such as like Ruby um and there's another song but I could not remember which one it is on this tape but there's another song where he kind of ventures outside of that in the production space and it sounds more melodic and kind of like R&B um driven as well so it kind of reminds me um it reminds me of when you know on Pop Smoke's album um Shoot for the Stars he would kind of um venture outside of those those drill pockets as well in some places as well so yeah I think it will definitely be interesting to see where Central C goes from here. I know it's just a mixtape, but um, I, I'm intrigued to see how people react to it too. So those are the two projects that I've digested this week. It's been quite a quiet week. So yeah, that's it. Eden. All right, cool. Um, so for me, it's been a very pick and mix type of week. I haven't really stuck to one project or artist. Um, what I will say I've listened to is... I went back to another Tom Mish album called um, Beat Tape 2. And there's one song on there in particular that I love called In the Midst of It All. And I've just been literally playing that over and over again. So that song features Sam Willis. Also, I want to give a special shout out to Chope. Um, I think he can tell sometimes when I'm in a mood. So he'll just send me a random song. Um, and he sent me a song from the um, album What Kind of Music, which is by Tom Mish and Yusuf Days. Um, I can't remember what song it was though. Uh, I have to go into my message to see what actually what song it was. Night Rider. Yeah, Night Rider. Um, so I, I listened back to that album again, and when you listen to the ind- individual instruments, sorry, um, it's just so so genius. Um, they're just two incredible artists, and I know it's a, a very old album. Um, I think it came out in twenty. Oh, it came out twenty twenty, so it's not that old actually. Um, if you manage to actually sit down and listen to this album, it will put you in the calmest mood ever. So I would really recommend it. Um, and I, like I said before, I'm a massive stand for Tom Mish as well. So um, check that album out. Um, I went back to Crabs in the Bucket by Nines, uh, London Class by um, Nux. I haven't really been listening to a lot of new music recently. So um, I'm kind of out of the loop. So I'm going to have to lean on Nick and Chope, like I said last time, um, to introduce me to some stuff. But um it's pretty much pick and mix this week nothing new um so those are my suggestions for this week that was like the quickest (laughs) segment (laughs) i'm looking at my timer 15 minutes like 
Okay, guys. Okay, well, I guess I guess I should I should probably sell my recommendations more. Sorry, I'm just really tired. Um, <laughs> Good. So I guess it's my turn again. But um, go for it. So I want to start off with Patrick Page. Um, uh, so he, if you don't know, he is a member of the internet, and um, to me, I actually tweeted about this. I said that not that the internet are like mild, are wild commercial juggernauts anyway, but I feel like a lot of that. Their individual projects really get swept under the rug. Like I don't really hear people talking about um, Sid's solo work or Steve Lacey's solo work, Matt Martian's solo work, and Patrick Page. Um, he is really, really, really good. Like he um dropped an album uh two years ago now. I I think so, or maybe three years ago. A really good album called um. Let me find it. I think it's called Letters of Letters of Irrelevance. Yes. And that was a really good project. So I was really excited when I saw that he dropped this new single. And I believe he's releasing his second album, his second solo album later this year. And just the lineup of this song was really cool. Patrick Page, Steve Lacey, Duran Bernard, and Love. All people that I love on one song. And I've, I can honestly say I've played the song every single day this week. It's just such, such a good song. Um... Just so funky, so well written, so well structured, and how all four of these people are such different artists individually, but they really brought their own special source and uniqueness to the track. And I'm very, very excited to hear the rest of the album. And yeah, I just like I've said before, I just love the internet as a group and individually. Like, I love this thing that they're doing now because they that last group album came out in 2018, I believe. And um, I think Sid is also releasing a solo album, solo album this year. I think Steve is releasing another project this year before they do another group album next year, I believe. But um, yeah, I just want to shout him out because of all of them, I think he probably gets the least love. Like Some people know about Sid and Steve's solo stuff, but no one talks about Patrick. Patrick Page is amazing. And that Martians too. So um, that and... Um, Oh yeah, who yeah. So Cleo Soul Rose in the Dark. Um, what was I gonna say? So this was an album that had been on my list for a very long time, and strangely enough, people really were on my neck this week when I said I hadn't listened to it until the last week. I didn't didn't know there were so many Cleo Soul stands in the world. Um I know, and you know, and I'm really glad that I've I've given this a chance. Shout out to my friend Tony Sunshine from the Three Thousand Ocean Hill podcast, a very good friend of mine. Um he was on my neck like many, many months ago. To check this album out and and he texted me again last week like you need to listen to this album and I did and um it is a really 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 good album um it's such an easy listen it's very very it's just so smooth so relaxing very sublime and um it's just I love the I, I love the way the songs were written and arranged it's very like a delicate and lush and very pretty it's a very pretty album and um he said to me that you would love the way the background vocals are arranged because if you know me i love background vocals and he was right like i really like her approach to vocal production and i just love how uh what's working for how effortless her singing is like she's just very very um very uh agile as a vocalist and the songs are just so so rich so soulful and like it's very much like it's very much a new soul album of of the day but like it's very but at the same time like it's very got like a muted 70s kind of vibe too like so if you're into like your like uh your mini rippertons or your denise williams 
like even Roberta Flack in, in some places, like it's very that, but it's like it's still very. Yeah, I don't know. And all about that she's British, by the way. And I just want to just say that, I don't know, us Brits, we do, we do R&B so very well. And this album is definitely a good reflection of that. And there's a song on there called Young Love, which has a bit of a reggae vibe, which I've definitely been playing a lot this week. But the whole album is good too. When I'm in your arms, why don't you? It's a great project. Can I just, can I just say, to add to that, um, there's another project that came out around the similar time called Figure Eight by Jay Warner. Um, I listen to them pretty much at the same time and I love them both for similar reasons. So um, anyone who wants to take a listen to Cleo Soul, I'd recommend Jay Warner's project as well. And um, so next up is, um, well, again, you know what I'm going to say, I'm Amel LaRue's Ice Cream Every Day. So um, I think anyone who's the show knows I'm a massive Amel LaRue fan. Love, love, love her solo and her stuff with Groove Theory. So I saw, it was actually her birthday, I think six days ago, a week ago. And I just tweeted a few of her songs and um just because I feel like people just need to know who, I feel like everyone should know who Amel LaRue is um and yeah so I revisited her last album from 2013 it sounds to me that she hasn't released an album since then but um I know that she takes her time between projects um and she kind of lives a low-key life she doesn't care for the industry anymore which I respect um so yeah her last album Ice Cream Every Day that came out in 2013 and this uh I revisited this album and because I do listen to her, like, a lot anyway, but, like, I, I can't say I've, I've revisited this album since it came out because it's the most recent. But um, this reminds me of my first year in uni, or the summer going into my second year of uni. And, um, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it, really. It's just um, another great project by Mel Like, all her albums are really good, but I just want to take the time out to shout out some particular songs on the album, um, which are among my favourites. There's You Don't See Me, Berries and Cream, which is probably my favourite song on this album. Like, if you don't do anything this week, please just go on Spotify, Apple, whatever you use, or Tidal, for those out there. Um, go on, type in the Mel LaRue, Berries and Cream. That is just, it's just such a damn good song. And then there's Moment to Reflect, there's Orange Glow, which for all of my, all my Prince fans out there, you would love that song. It's very much that kind of early Prince uh, kind of like Debarge S2, Slide the Family Stone. It's just a banging song. Orange Glow, Have You, um, I Do Take, which is probably one of the most beautiful love songs of the last 10 years. Like, the writing on that song is just so, 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 so good. And just shout out to her too, because she she writes and produces this all herself. And, um, yeah, this is an Amel Rustan account, if you didn't know already. And, yeah, man. So, Ice Cream Every Day. And then... Going back to Janiaco, um, so I saw that she tweeted, well, on her Instagram that she was going to release this on streaming services. I mean, I have the album anyway, and mixed it anyway. I've had it for years, you know, it was a free mixtape, so I, I actually own it, but it's nice that it's, you know, able to stream. But um, I just couldn't believe that it's been 10 years. I just, I couldn't believe that. Like, there's so many albums that are coming out that are turning 10 or 15 this year, which is just crazy to me because I'm now, I'm now at the age where I can vividly remember when these things were brand new i can vividly remember these things so selling souls i literally can remember being in my room and pressing pressing play on that for the first time and just really being transported to this sound because at the time like you know as nick you know wonderfully said like you know this was a time when you know tanache was coming out frank ocean the weekend miguel michelle jordan um 
Dirty Money's album was around, around around this time. There's all these albums that were, which were really which we didn't really see back then. Actually, I think we did, but we can definitely see so now that it was really uh, the beginning of a new golden age in R and B music, and a different subgenre was being formed. And in my opinion, a subgenre that wasn't as pro that hadn't been as prominent as New Soul. We had not had a prominent R and B subgenre since New Soul. So this way, we want to call it old R and B, PV R and B, atmospheric R and B. There were various labels um, applied to this kind of sound but um Janae is definitely one of the foremothers and forefathers of that sound and I said it yesterday that one day we'll have a conversation about how she's low-key birthed a lot of these new girls like her, her, <laughs> the other girls that I've mentioned and males as well but no saying souls is like it's still so I played it yesterday when I was supposed to be working and it just and I don't think I played the whole thing in years like I go I definitely go back and replay certain songs of course but I think I've played the whole thing back to front in a long time and I was just like this really is a great project like what a way to start what a way to come out I mean obviously I know she had like her TUG B2K kiddie pop era but that before that but this was her real debut her real introduction and this is really what's the pace for where she is today and it's just kind of mad seeing how far she's coming like you know now she's you know a four-time Grammy nominee like four top 10 albums on Billboard and you know you know just arguably one of the most prominent women in R&B right today. And then I also loved that she re- that she gave us the bonus track. Well, not bonus tracks, but these are just kind of songs and Lucy's, if you will, that were out and around that time. So like Living Room Flow, Mirrors, Two Seconds of Child, I've not heard in... I don't think I've heard that since 2012. I don't... I have not heard that in years. And I was like, I fucking loved this song when this came out. And I just remember that time in my life, like when I was really, was really damnly obsessed with Jenna and Rochelle, to early Tanache, Frank, Miguel, The Weekend Before He Turned Into a Looney Tune. Um, all those all those artists. And I just remember, like, you know, you all know me, like, I'm, I'm an R&B head, but, like, that that time was really, it was a really time, exciting time in my life as just a music fan. And these were amongst the first stars I was really coming to love from the internet. These were artists I weren't finding from radio or television. These were all artists that, were, they were among the first that I was really finding from the internet and you know the blog so shout out to those who remember things like soul culture and pinboard blog and the profit blog and you know the early days of pigeons and planes like all that stuff and just random you know that piff all that shit and um yeah so like i just want to shout sailing souls man 10 years uh a cult classic you know got a name that shout out some of my favorites my mind real now higher you versus them um, July isn't on the streaming version for some reason. I'm assuming because of some um legal shit. But um, July sailing not selling with Kanye. That his verse isn't on the streaming version once again, probably for some legal reasons. But um, yeah, man, it's just shout out to Jenny Aiko. So there you go, guys. Those are my listens in more more depth. So yeah, thanks. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on to the happy now. <laughs> yes, chop it. We're happy. <laughs> Should we move on to the news section? much lighter for the most part news topics this week for you guys but um yeah we'll get into some good news first of all on this side of the pond um for people who love award shows um so we are going to talk about the brit awards but we're going to talk about not the main show but kind of a smaller category Um, that they have as well and that is the rising star for 2021 we've seen shortlists um that have been released this week and the three artists that make 
the running are artists that for the most part we've spoken about in the last two seasons so we've got Pasalu um, we've got Rina Sawayama who obviously as we know helped um, eradicate some barriers in terms of entry requirements for these award shows and the Mercury award shows um, and we've got Griff as well who is just blowing up everywhere right now too so yeah so the short list of these three um and they will go head to head for obviously the awards the main award who will be chosen um this was previously some people who are more historically bounded to the brits it was known as the brits critics choice award um and it will be obviously at this year's brit awards um with MasterCard, obviously, you know, that iconic partnership, that they're still in partnership during the pandemic as well. So Griff, for example, noted um, on this kind of nomination, it's kind of terrifying how many legends have been nominated for this award. I never expect, ever, ever, sorry, expected making beats in my music room after school could eventually lead to a Brit nom. Super lame, but I remember after school catching up on the Brits and crime, watching Stormzy's performance. Um, and I don't think I really knew what the, that emotion was at the time but I think it was just an overwhelming sense of aspiration to be nominated for a Brit three years on it is completely surreal so you know completely kind of full circle moment for her um pa said i am very grateful to be shortlisted shortlisted sorry for this brit award love and blessings every time thanks to everyone supporting my journey so far and last but not least rena sawayama made the comment of i literally fell to the floor when i found out that i'd been nominated for rising star i really can't put into words how much this means to me given that i wasn't eligible for this award a few weeks ago and now that door has been open for future generations generations um of artists like myself thank you so much to everyone who voted for me it means the world if you want to know who the winner is of this award maybe we will you know announce it on the podcast but um it will be formally announced um on friday the 19th of march ahead of the brit award ceremony which will take place in may um on the 11th um yeah so that is the nominations as of right now um for that rising star award um what are your thoughts if any for shop a needham uh from me i think all three of them deserve it i i'm not too caught up on griff as an artist i do need to do some more research and actually listen to her music a bit more but um pa is someone who i've seen kind of blow up and he's kind of transcended the comparisons he received before to jay huss and become his own kind of star um, which is something that I love because although I heard um, sonically, phonically, sorry, um, although I, 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 I did kind of hear the comparisons between Jay Huss and Pa, um, he's definitely created his own kind of, kind of sound and his own type of vision as well. He's on his own lane. So I'm quite excited to see what happens with his music in the future and the direction he goes in. Um, so yeah, all three of them sound like they deserve it. And um, I'm excited to see what happens. It looks like the future of music is going to be very exciting. Any thoughts, Shabe, on these nominations? Well, I think first and foremost, I just think I really need to just get my act together and finally listen to Serena Sayawama's album. Um, it's, I see her, well, mm. no, I don't see her everywhere, but I mean, I've heard loads about her. I see the love she gets online. And she just looks and sounds and appears to be a very, very interesting artist and visual artist so i just need to get my act together my account don't hold me to that because life is long and there's too much music out there which is why too many songs since clear soul as you just heard um 
but clearly this girl is going places mm. like i think and what i love is that i think i love that we're now in an age where it's not compulsory for artists anymore to be selling millions of copies or having top 10 singles all the time to have a legitimate career i think regardless of what wherever she goes she's going to be here for a while I mean, that may be only to say, but just, and that's just from what I've seen of her. But the way my friends who listen to her, they really speak about her so highly. So I'm very happy, very happy for her, especially because, you know, with her recent, um, you know, her recent work to even allow herself and another, other artists like her um, to be nominated who aren't um, British citizens. Um, that's amazing. But I think even with three and what strikes me was that, wow, these are not, I hate the whole diversity and inclusion stuff, but I was like, wow, there's just no white guy with a guitar t- this time. Lovely. <laughs> like there's no, you know, what's the, uh, there's no Tom Walker archetype this time. I was like, okay, so this is just like, you know, this is actually really three random different artists, you know, and not just because, you know, they're black and Asian, but it's like, you know, none of them are your average Brit Award nominee pop star, you know, these these writers. I was like, here, I'm here for it. So I'm actually, you know, I love it. Griff, I've never heard of her until now. But shout out to you too. Um, I hear you writing produce your own music, so love for that. Fast Lou, I think all of us have said we all like him very much. We all enjoyed his um mixtape album project, whatever it is. Um, ambiguous release. Um, and I and he's another one that I feel that um he's going places regardless, and I feel like he's really gonna be someone who really has global appeal like his sound is very uk of course but you can hear like that album alone there were so many different genre blends in that alone there was drill there was um there was dancehall there was r&b there was trap there was a bit of pop in there like and even his look even though he shoots and stuff like that my pr and the pr me is like this guy has global appeal and i do think that he has been to eventually just transcend being a crop of a UK rapper. Not that that's a bad thing, but just so he can just be an artist. I think he really does have that um, global appeal. So, like, so shout out to um, the Brits for actually, you know, a somewhat uh, un- unlikely nominees. This guy was, I really thought I was going to see some random guy called Jack playing guitar wearing um, a jacket from Top Man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, definitely. Uh, a stereotype that ranged true with some of these award shows but um yeah um griff is someone i still need to like really digest but from what i've heard the the little music i've heard as well she's definitely someone to watch and someone who's gravitating the pop space um in terms of people who are avid kind of watchers of that genre and the people rising up the ranks but i've definitely heard her name for the last like six or seven months for sure um so yeah griff well done well done to power well done to rena um i think whoever wins i've definitely seen the buzz to resonate with that like if that makes sense um and pa you know won bbc sound previously just just a few months ago um so it's exciting to kind of see um i get more excited around how he's just rising outside of these kind of archetypes of just what i've seen in the last year if that makes sense i just love how quote unquote the streets are talking about him if that makes sense I just like that kind of connection and I like how he connects the diaspora together in his in his sound and his composition and his influences both visually and um 
um, sonically as well. So Paz Gray, obviously Rina, people know I love Rina. People know I love the album. Um, people know that she's been interesting to me since, you know, early last year. So yeah, I'm definitely, Rina's made some institutional kind of moves with some of these award shows. Um, so it will just be interesting to see how they move forward in the next couple of years as well. Um, but regardless, awards or not, like I love all three. I mean, I love both Pat and Rena, and I think Griff is talented, still need to get accustomed to the music more. Um, but from what I've heard, there's potential for sure, for sure, for sure. So I can't wait to dive into the full project recently released and just see what she's all about, you know? Um, and just see what her experiences kind of speak to, even if it's simple pop music, as you've kind of heard in the the listens of the week, I can take that. Or if there's a bit of more of a narrative arc around some of her stuff, it'll be interesting to just see. It's always interesting discovering a new eyes and kind of listening to what they, how they approach music, sorry, and how they use it. So yeah, interesting, interesting awards. Um, it's award season again. So we'll see what's going on. But um, we will stay in Britain for a little bit longer. Um, bit of a trigger warning, transphobia about to, you know, come through. But um, let's talk about it. So this is about the, you know, often revered Jess Glynn. You know, people love her. That's a strong you word. Know, well, how I see her name frequent circles on online and, and in person, actually, as well. Like in the last couple of years, I've definitely seen there's this oh my god she's great like and all this kind of stuff so musically it's funny you say that because she's so successful but i don't know anyone who listens to her really i've never heard her spoken about me in my that's life that's interesting it I shows that no one in my life has ever spoken to you about about show... her but i'm aware she has like seven number one singles i'm aware she's done very yeah. well it shows that echo chambers exist doesn't it like you know some some spaces are popular other spaces maybe not but yeah from what i've heard definitely revered in circles i've seen and stuff but yes let's talk about the transphobic slur on the podcast she was on um mo gilligan's uh podcast last week so um yeah recording talking about her life talking about her career etc etc just being interviewed bog standard um and she was talking about um visiting a transgender strip club um in her kind of commentary on this uh she kind of referred to it as a tranny strip club which obviously caused offense um so um after the kind of punchline of the story um was aired and kind of released. She kind of wrote on Instagram that she is wholeheartedly sorry after obviously the clip, that specific clip was posted online and, and she faced like criticism after the fact. So she said, yeah, as I just said, wholeheartedly sorry. The way it, it's such an outdated term being used by someone within the LGBT community is a massive shame. She got told um, and then had to respond. Um, she said, I want to address my appearance on the Mo The Comedian's podcast when a story I told caused massive um, and righteous offence. Firstly, I want to say I'm wholeheartedly sorry. I know that in this case, sorry is not nearly enough. Throughout my life, I have made a lot of mistakes and what I've come to know is that the only benefit to making one is to learn from it. Um, and from 
Oh, sorry. There was a, there was a bit more to the statement. Sorry, this article just included the video as well. But to be in the knowledge that I have negatively impacted the community through my own ignorance has ripped out of a piece of my heart. Um, I know I needed to address my mistake head on and educate myself about an issue I was frankly ignorant of. The language I used on the podcast was unacceptable as someone that has been immersed in the LGBTQ plus community. I have witnessed firsthand the progress that has been made when it comes to language. I am ashamed that I was unaware of my potency of the T-slur until now. Um, and then she listed and shared this this wider list as well of organisations um, that followers could learn from um, in terms of that space and, and using that term and why it's, you know, offensive. Um organizations uh such as london trans pride still say that singer has um, a lot of work to do but called the apology a step in the right direction and this is from bbc if you want to read a bit more about the you know piece and watch some of the videos and stuff like that but um mo gilligan was asked for a comment um and he responded at this time so hmm. yeah hmm, indeed that's the story hmm. um Sharpe, do you want to go first on this one? So I think for me, it was just alarming to see how quickly she slipped into usage of the word tranny. To me, it was very clear and obvious that this is something that she obviously uses in her day-to-day life and that she's used several times, but, but privately. So that was a um, strike one for me. Secondly, I didn't know she was bisexual till now, which kind of makes it even more uh, confusing and more disappointing it's like so you're part of the lgbt community so you're very aware of how important language is and how damaging certain phrases and terminology can be in various parts of that community in regards to the context um you know you'd think they'd be a bit more sensitive to such things and yet here we are but that's another conversation in itself you know a lot of transphobia within the actual lgbt community lgbtq community um which is always perpetuating and then finally, I did. I really didn't like that the whole uh, incident in itself was using trans people as a as a as a punchline because the story was her t- talking about how she went to this club pervaded by many trans people, but she brought her very straight homophobic friend who clearly would have been uncomfortable, and she was like, "Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's funny." So like, you're laughing at something where obviously I don't know your friend, but. That is a safe space for trans and gender non-conforming people. And you're laughing at the fact that your friend who was visibly and clearly homophobic and transphobic, you don't know what he or she could have done. Like, like was he hurling abuse at these people? Was he, you know, like, you know, why putting those kind of people in that kind of... Why are you mixing those kind of communities together if you know that your friend isn't really comfortable with that? So that was also, that was like the big red flag for me. So it's like, so that, that was like a kind of an element of danger in what you were doing um so i mean i've never cared for you anyway i've never listened to any of your music i'm just i'm for some reason you are a very successful person i've obviously i've heard some of your songs but um they're not to my tastes and they don't resonate with my spirit so um i wish you the best read a book um and watch a documentary if you have to you know i recommend disclosure um but yeah um do better um i don't care about you i don't Mm. care for you but um um do better that's me. I think from me, just looking at the situation, um, I can't say for certain whether her kind of casual way of using 
that slur suggests that she uses it very often. Um, and that's not to excuse what she said or to make it sound like it's um, okay for her to say that. Um, what I will say is that I am glad that the trans community have a voice and are able to kind of speak up on situations like this and say, um, we hear your apology and um, there are some areas we think you could have been better in um, and here's, here's what you can do. Because I think in a lot of conversations, we also need to figure out how people can um, do better. And I think Jessica coming back and apologizing um, and saying she kind of is very disappointed in herself was a good start. But I do think that um, there was a lot of centering in what she said, um, which from what I've learned from a book um, called Why Won't You Apologize isn't the thing to do. And it's usually you should focus on the other person and just focus on the hurt that you have caused them. Um, I have changed in the way that I approach topics like this. And I've spoken to Nick and Shopee about this before. Um, I recognize that there has been harm caused in what Jess Glynn has said. And it's affected a community. And a lot of people are harmed by what she said. Um, but rather than kind of shame her for what she said, I commend her for having the compassion to realize that she needed to apologize um apologizing and not doubling down on it i think that is something that is very commendable um and again i just want to say there is it's not me kind of saying what she said should be swept under the carpet it's more so me saying that i i like to see when people recognize they went wrong and apologize afterwards and then try to make amends so we'll see what happens i don't think this this will go much further if i'm being honest i think what will happen is um jess glynn will um obviously do the education um she gave some links to a few places where people could learn as well which is a great resource tool i think shopee recommended a documentary and a book um but yeah, I I hope she learns. Oh, I didn't recommend the book, but I recommend it now. Captive Genders. Yeah, just finished it. Finally, three days yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, moving forward, and I hope Jess Glynn has learned from this. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know if Mo the comedian needs to comment, but that's not for me to say. Um, but we'll see what happens. Oh, to be fair, I did. I was initially was like, why isn't he commenting? But I mean, he wasn't the perpetrator, yeah. so. I can see he probably was just smartly was like, well, I'm going to stay out of this because he didn't actually yeah. say anything. So, yeah. yeah. Nick, any thoughts? So in my thoughts about this topic, yeah, I agree that Mo kind of didn't have to respond because, you know, it's kind of like when Reggie Yates made the comment about a specific community and, you know, the, the podcast host didn't need to really interject. But um, in terms of uh jess's comment i think it's just an example of how like microaggressions can mm -hmm. still happen mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and like little comments that mean institutional kind of harm to people and cultural harm um can perpetuate themselves in in real time so i just hope that that lesson is gauged through you know the many resources that she shared and then the resources that people have probably put in her inbox or her comments throughout the last couple of days as well um 
yeah, I just, it's a great example of, um, not a great, actually, a very kind of a triggering probably example for, for specific communities, specifically the trans um, gender community. Like, um, I think that it's definitely a situation where um, it's a, it's still a good example in terms of um, how, like, as I said, minor comments can mean such so much bigger things and it can mean historical work and and just the lineage of something that's harmful so I hope that through this example you know a case study which is a, mo a modern day case study of how like casual some of this stuff can happen um that people learn even people that have made those comments in their own personal life look at that example and just go oh, okay definitely not going to use that and read up and or however you absorb um, education, you know, read, watch, listen, um, just absorb the right content just to kind of get well, you said that. that page um, and really understand, you know, that's my takeaway from this, you know, um, I can't, I can't express anger too much anymore like all of this aggression towards situations I'm just like it's whatever like people are idiots I'm not engaging with that just like the Piers Morgan shit this week on another note but like I'm just very much on right what has this taught me and my communities and, and stuff like that my friends all of that and how can I learn from this oh I mean I always knew about that word you know but in terms of like um not always but I knew about I've known about it for a couple of years but in terms of um like new stuff I learn like when new case studies come about and I'm like oh shit that's, that's a bad situation you know then I'm like okay why because I'm really interested in Googling shit and just finding stuff out and then go into the right resources um, and just absorbing and learning. And sometimes I don't get it right, you know, um, and some, and hopefully as the time goes on, I'm getting it more right. As, mm -hmm. You know, I learn different parameters and boundaries and all sorts. So yeah, like it's a great example of casual stuff and, you know, not the, not the big hammer stuff. Like you are an N word, you are a chat, like right yeah. in your face, but it's more like the casual stuff. Like I went to a, x club da, 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 and just using it like that so um yeah like i really hope she learns from it and the people who have used that word who still used it and listen to the podcast or read the news article learn from it as well that's that's all you know i hope and sorry to the community that had to hear that yeah so really sorry um i just want to also add like when it came to the mo comedian commenting thing i kind of was thinking about it and i understand why he might need to comment um just as someone who records and used to edit a podcast and everything um you can't necessarily blame him in, in like just from what i'm looking at it for in terms of the content he didn't say oh definitely um but as someone who edits the show it should have been noted but that's not to say that just that's not to say that Jess Glynn should then divert blame to him and say, oh, you should have done this. Or you should have done that. I don't think she has done that. But it's just me thinking about, OK, so maybe Mo does need to say, oh, I should have edited this or done that. He doesn't it sounds like it. a very human error to put it out there on his part. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I'm not privy to the editing process. To be honest, he probably didn't edit it, just thinking about who Mo is. And the thing is, but he probably got sent the recording to approve or some kind of process or management or like whoever exec produces the podcast. You know what I mean? Just know it, just thinking about Mo and him as a brand entity, I'm thinking that he's he's got a team to like edit that and stuff like that. But that, that again, 
I don't know that for sure, people listening, that is an assumption. But um, yeah, he's still as a brand name, The pod, his name is on the podcast. From that perspective, of, of course, like, yeah, like potentially just um, I acknowledge da, 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 that kind of thing um, would have helped. But like, you know, it, it, what, what can you do now? Hindsight, you know, so maybe hopefully he learns how to handle his brand a bit more um in the future and his team as well but yeah just wanted to put that perspective there cool um i don't think there's anything else to say on that i think in a nutshell what we're saying is um to the trans community we hope that you are not too triggered by this situation or at least you're in the healing process of it um and jess glynn um you said something and you are doing the work now um and we hope it continues well we hope she is well she said she is we can trust that um so she said she's doing the work we can trust she's doing the work and we hope you kind of move forward and you don't use that type of language again but that isn't for me to kind of uh condemn or shame or any of those different types of things um this is all about your journey now with the trans community within your own community as well um so we'll see what happens in the years to come but to be honest we probably won't realize if you don't say it again so we'll see what happens yeah. Uh, should we move on to the next topic? Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of what's next, it's a bit business, you know, a bit of business news um, from across the pond. Um, this one kind of came as a bit of a surprise, but not a surprise in terms of that they would sell it, but in terms of who to, just a little bit interesting. But, um, you know, Swiss Beats and Timberland have sold versus um, the live stream platform to the Triller Network. Um in the release on Tuesday, um, the companies did not disclose the financial terms of the deal. Um, a Triller spokesperson said the producers would become shareholders in the Triller network, the parent company for the TikTok-like social video app. And it was actually popular before Triller as well, when Triller was like musically. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been around for a couple of years at least. Um, Timberland and Swiss Beats will share their equity stake with the 43 performers who have appeared on Versus since it launched almost a year ago. Versus comp- uh, competitions are obviously, as you know, the kind of dual side-by-side um, battle of the songs. Um in which, you know, it's very intimate, it's very involved with the fans and it's very involved with music lovers um, of, you know, genres like rap and R&B as well. Um, And we've seen such big record numbers um, in the platform's history during the pandemic. So we've seen, obviously, you know, Gucci Man, Young Jeezy. We've seen, you know, we've seen so many people grace the platform i think shoppe just spoke about one that he watched as well where sometimes they do one-off specials like the d'angelo where it's more so just centered around the one person um when sometimes the pitting side by side doesn't work out but for the main kind of um, conception of versus it is a side by side kind of battle you know t-pain little john there's been just been a plethora as you know like there's been over 40 people involved now and these 43 performers will you know share a stake in the success of this deal um so there is no more disruptive and innovative brand in music today like versus um the triller executive chairman and co-owner um bobby sardavashti 
I, I, yeah, I think I'm murdering this name, but you know, um, he said in a statement and he said, we view this acquisition as more of a partnership than an acquisition as Swiss, Timberland and the other 43 eyes who are becoming shareholders and partners in Triller versus from this day forward it becomes our voice. Um, with the acquisition, Triller continues its evolution to be at the center of culture and the, the center of music. Um, who better to help shape Triller's music future than the top artists in the world? Um, overseen by Timberland and Swizz. So that rhetorical question was asked at the end of the statement. Um, <clears throat> Versus has also obviously entered political realms, um, speaking to the likes of Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris as well in recent months too. So Triller is obviously, if you didn't know, as I just said, kind of a competitor to TikTok um, and saw... Um, a surge in popularity last summer when TikTok's future was a bit uncertain in the United States um, with uh, the Trump administration and, and China's tensions um, over business and privacy. Uh, some falsified statements were made in that exchange too. Um, so Swiss Beats and Timberland did respond as well and said uh, the deal is a momentous occasion for not only Versus and Triller, but the music business as a whole by putting Versus in the Triller uh, network ecosystem and expanding the Versus brand to be side by side with the powerful Triller app. We will be able to continue to grow and evolve the music business as a whole as we have been doing. Um, that's what they said on the statement as well. And that's it right now. You know, the stakes, the shareholders basically told you about the positions that Swiss Beats and Timberland will hold as well, dealing with music partnerships at um, at Triller. Uh, and that's it. What are you guys' thoughts on this business venture? Um, I have two thoughts. Um, the first thought is I think it is great and admirable that Swiss Beats and Timberland have... Um, shared the success with 46 um musicians who were previously on Triller or not Triller on Versus is before I think um we're too used to the news where um people set something up and then they kind of um have someone on there that they might not pay and then they don't kind of give them some form of um support or um financial um kind of pay in some situations and I'm glad to hear that the 46 artists are being made stakeholders as well um so looking at Triller as a company I think this is a, a great acquisition so um some people might be asking what Triller is some people might not have used it before um but to put in simple terms Triller is very similar to um TikTok so TikTok is a very popular social media app I don't know if I need to explain that because it is very popular um, but Triller is slightly different because it focuses more on um, actually putting snippets of videos together for you. So the main difference between TikTok and Triller is Triller will edit the videos for you, whereas on TikTok you edit them for yourself. And there's no there's a there's no limit on the amount of time, as far as I know, um, for a Triller video that you can make. It's kind of geared towards the music video um, market more so than the social media. Um, kind of YouTube um, uh, Gen Z generation. So I think this is a great acquisition because um, I think as Triller tries to grow out and become more of a, a force in the music industry um, versus has a, a whole host of ages and generations within it that are paying attention to what's happening in the digital space. And I'm quite intrigued because 
um, there were questions around what would happen with verses as we kind of leave the pandemic and leave lockdown because it started as something to entertain us whilst we were inside our houses. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see what happens after we're out of lockdown and we're back into or what, whatever happens with the music industry in terms of festivals and kind of seeing live music and all those different types of things. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I think this is a, a brilliant business decision from Swiss Beats and Timberland because um, they now have an opportunity to work with a company that actually has a future um, in a digital space, um, whereas versus we didn't know what was going to happen. So I think it's great all round. Um, I know I said I had two points, but there is one more that I'm kind of mentally fighting myself on. Um, so I have an issue sometimes, and I don't know if this is reasonable. I'm actually just sitting with the thought, but I question when black people create a business and it's a successful business. And then at some point they pass the business off to people outside of the community. And the reason I say that is because Versus wasn't originally, from my understanding, just for black people, but it, celebra it celebrates a lot of black music. And then um, what we started to see is it became very commercialized. We saw a lot of people from the likes of Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo, and all of these brands come and start trying to join in on what was a very innocent kind of um, cultural event um, to celebrate music across the ages. Um, so now that we're seeing that Versus um, is going to be owned by Trilla, and I have to investigate to see who it's actually owned by, but I don't believe the owner is black. Um, He's not. Yeah. So I question what will kind of happen with um, Black Ventures. I saw an interesting conversation. Um, someone screenshotted it and sent it to me about um, how some people need to understand that there is nothing kind of innovative about the black business um and i i think in essence i understand what that means um how it shouldn't be innovative like we should be able to own businesses sell them to people and kind of uh, make money from it and be able to live a life that responsibility of keeping it within our community sometimes i think is questionable um so i'm intrigued and I, that's why part one and part two of this kind of thought that I'm having about um, the shareholders is important because the majority of those people are black they come from the culture they've been kind of used and abused by the music industry um, in the past so I'm intrigued to see what happens with Triller and how they treat the culture moving forward I don't know what's going to happen in terms of sponsorships endorsements all of these different types of things and if they will continue to have that kind of um african-american centered approach to the brand um but we will see what happens as things move forward but those are my three thoughts i'm actually glad and this was good to have a podcast and you know gesture with two other people because you know what i was confused at the whole no actually i was confused but i was more like what is the need for these other artists to be shareholders in this in this business but i guess you know you know i guess it's good for them to have some stakes in this because clearly um versus moving towards transitioning into some sort of business or brand that will last beyond the pandemic but which leads to my original point um i don't see the point <laughs> of of selling versus trailer like why is it even being sold it's like i feel like swiss and timid have forgotten what this is and what it was for and what the purpose was 
So like I'm seeing all this stuff about, oh, we're gonna evolve the music business. How? It's just two niggas on Instagram playing each other's playing music for two hours. I don't like like what do you think this is? And and like it's already it was already getting ridiculous because I'm not sure, but I feel like they did like some NFL versus thing <laughs> someone last year. Maybe it was correct me, but they did something stupid, which I saw last year. Like it wasn't music related, but it was a versus. And and I'm just seeing this stuff about like, oh, we share our vision and elevate amazing artists. And I'm like, okay, but they just continued playing on Instagram. Like, I don't understand like this whole Rock Nation brunch rhetoric about, oh, we're now going to be shifting the culture and we're going to be elevating people. It's like, no, but it's just, it's just an Instagram battle. You play music, the end. It's like, maybe I'm missing something, but I just don't see why we're here. <laughs> I just don't see why we have gotten here. And even this whole thing got um, um, Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris, like, why was that even a thing? And I just don't understand. Like, so what's this, what's this going to be after the pandemic? Is there going to be a TV show on VH1? Um, like, I just I just don't understand. Plus, I'm still mad at them. They need to answer their crown for D'Angelo versus... Um, so yeah, no, but no, but I'm glad that Eden brought that point up. But you know, there's the benefit to having all the various artists who have paid these stakeholders. But likewise, I agree, agree with him. Agree with him. Like you know, this was initially, and obviously not to say that you know normal like people can't enjoy it and they have and they should. They if you love music, why not? But like yes, but like this was originally just a fun thing for us by us during the pandemic, and now as always, when capitalism and money gets involved, it just starts. It just it just jumps the shark and goes to bullshit. And I'm just like, what well, am I now going to be seeing um, Carrie Underwood versus Rascal Flats in a couple of months? Um, am I going to be, I don't know. I just don't know. I just, I just don't see every time I hear about versus turn more into business. I just think why, why, why is this becoming a corporation? Why? This is just, it was just for fun. It was just for laughs. It was just, for, you know, just to enjoy music. Like why is this becoming a thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I get uh, get what you mean. Nick, do you mind if I answer this one? Go for it. So I, I, I do get what you mean about why is it becoming a business and why is it like it was originally just something where people sat down and kind of just um, enjoyed the music. So I completely understand where you're coming from. I think it's it's one of the first of its time where um, there's like a clash, but the artists are actually there. Um, I know like clashing culture goes back to Jamaica and like what's going on. Um, sorry, what has happened between the likes of Movado, Vibes Cartel, that was a massive one that happened in Kingston, I believe. Um, and there's clashing culture that's existed in so many different um, genres as well. But I think this is the first of its kind that has been so orchestrated, I think. And I, that's not necessarily always a good thing. Um, it's it's quite corporate. It's very American in terms of we're going to revolutionize this. We're going to change this. We're going to be the first to ever do this. Um, it's very American dream, very first of its kind, very um, original and uh, individual. It's a sales pitch. That's essentially what it is. Um, but I think looking at some of their partnerships and kind of the direction that it's going in um, with like Apple, for example, I think it's more the brand that um, is being sold than the actual activity of clashing music and playing music against each other. There's definitely a demand. Like um, I imagine, Chopé, that you listen to it for a very particular reason. And that reason is what they are selling. Um, there is a dedication to some of these artists because they either don't make music anymore 
or um, they've kind of gone into hiding for a bit um, just because they've retired. And now they're t being asked to come back to the forefront. So it's an education of their catalogue um, to, like, I, like we spoke about before, um, so many different um, generations. So for me, I understand what you're saying. I, I genuinely do because it doesn't need to be a business. It could have just been fun. But we know of American capitalist societies when something generates an audience and there's a demand for it and there's a tension, especially, um, it usually kind of has to become a business or someone will find a way to monetize it. Um, but that isn't to say that Swiss Beats and Timberland haven't found an ethical way of doing it. Like, as we as we both kind of agreed on, 46 shareholders is amazing and it's like if we look at p diddy for example and some of his deals and the kind of criticism that he's received for um how he kind of shares music and um kind of doesn't share music actually um it's a step forward in terms of the music industry and i hope it's something that continues to go forward it actually i don't know how we always get here because i always think to myself um i want to talk about this topic on dats but i can't find a way to get to it but i found a way to get to it um so it reminds me of the nft conversation we we're having last week and i was thinking to myself how would this affect the music industry especially in situations with the likes of um taylor swift for example who doesn't own her masters and um her music is owned by somebody completely different and that's very common within the music industry so what will happen to people's um brands like um what will happen when you can own a digital version of something what will happen um so i'm quite intrigued in what will happen again with blockchain technology um specifically with some of these businesses like versus um and just the gen general music industry it seems like nostalgia is very popular at the moment and attention um to things that can be copied easily but the original version of it um, is something that people are trying to grab their hands onto. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity here and that's why it's a business from my understanding. Um, but that's all I understand so far. Um, just to kind of chime in, I think for me, uh, the reason that they kind of monetize this uh, business is if we look at all brands that kind of started in the pandemic, they monetized, no signal monetized and did deals. You know, um, we've got, what else? Um, quarantine radio, like before the whole controversy, thingy was doing deals with YouTube and stuff like that. So everyone's going to monetize because it's the music business. The context is within the music business and like these brands will not just be created for the art anymore and that's it especially when you're coming from you know capitalists like swiss just graduated a couple of years ago from howard in a business degree he is a businessman he is a person who finds deals with businesses and leverages on it and i think when you're in that context and climate of being a a, a mogul and, and and someone in music that isn't just the artist but is more like the back events producer all his other roles as well. It's about corporate climbing. And if you look at his, Shopper, you know this, where him and Alicia Keys live, like that is not money acquired just by sitting back and being like, well, I'll just take everything that's dictated by me. That's by I'm making business moves. And I'm not saying that I applaud that or anything. I'm just saying that that's the fact of the matter. And even if we look at how Apple did OVO Sound, 
OVO Sound is now on Pandora slash Sirius. So the Apple does this. They invest in things, and I'm sure that probably a higher offer was tried to be uh, was attempted to be reached or something like that. This is assumption, but it, it kind of seems like that. And you know, it wasn't given. So they had to find, they shopped it around and Triller was the platform that said, hey, let's do it. So shows will air on Triller as well as Instagram, similar to Apple Music. That is what has been revealed about the deal so far. And I'm sure that the um, there'll be Triller sponsorships, I'm sure like videos throughout and stuff like that for better or for worse. Um, they've made it a corporate kind of climb, a corporate machine and it is what it is at this point. My interest has personally waned from the platform versus since it first began. I guess that's from a myriad of reasons, probably the pandemic being really tiresome to me at this point. Um, number two, probably the corporate kind of um, aesthetic of it now, like where it takes place, all of that kind of stuff jars me a little bit just from a, a, a viewer point of view who likes the art. Um, and number three, I would just say the sponsorships that keep making their way placed in between kind of jars me as well but you know most plat it's hard to escape a platform that doesn't do um placements ad placements throughout or doesn't do kind of a corporate partnership kind of um umbrella to it you know there's you know look at spotify look at what who they've partnered with and look at apple look who they've partnered with and look at just these original ideas that i just mentioned throughout um quarantine that have been monetized i think a lot of people a lot of people have made careers actually throughout this 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 pandemic as well and who who've changed their lives like financially and stuff like that and become brands throughout this whole this whole pandemic whether it's them themselves or their ideas so you know we are in an era in 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 life actually we're in hyper capitalism you know it happens everything content everyone's a content creator everyone's a brand um you know thoughts or ideas you know all of that kind of thing we everything is being hobbies are monetized you know we are we are living through a big era of content 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 farming almost and it's like I don't see it waning anytime soon that is unfortunate because the original kind of versus format was it just felt a bit more to the spirit a bit more but um you know like Swiss Timberlands the context is there the figures are there you know like they go to Rock Nation branch you know they are friends with they're both friends with Jay-Z you know so maybe they had some conversations about leveraging businesses and just did that so you know I mean well done for the the stakeholder shareholder thing I think you know seeing BD Man and, and Bounty get a stake in that is great and like as well as the many other figures who graced the versus platform they definitely deserve that because without them you know the eyes would not be on them on on versus at all but um yeah just capitalists being capitalists um we'll see I'm, I'm intrigued to see what other things they'll do with Triller too just from a curiosity standpoint but business gonna business content's gonna content you know all that kind of stuff that's where I'm at with it um yeah intrigued that Triller was the platform though very intrigued that um a non-DSP was the platform for them but then it makes sense on the visual compartment as well because it is a visual platform so when you look at the, all the visual platforms um it makes a lot of sense and then obviously them airing on instagram still benefits facebook so they'll get their engagement for the month because all of these things around selling their businesses and having bragging rights comes down to do with data and how many users you have on your your platforms how much attention economy 
do you take up, right? Because attention equals marketing, equals the loop of spending for vendors and the data thing goes again. Like the loops continue to loop. If something is free, Triller, TikTok, Instagram, you're being advertised to you are the product. That that is that is just a natural rule of where we're at in 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 um consumerism, in online um mining data, all of that. We are in data, we're we're in a data supremacy right now. So if an app is free, you are the subject, whether they're trying to extract data to you or market it back to you. Um, that is what's happening. So for it, to be honest, I'm talking myself out of my point of Triller is shocking because it's a visual platform versus it's become more visual as time has gone on. It makes sense, you know, and Instagram already kind of airs, well, they already host Instagram anyway, so they don't need to kind of do a partnership to air on that side because it's there. So Triller's a music community, you know, as well. So it kind of, you know, actually it does kind of make sense in a weird way. It kind of makes sense. But um, we'll see what happens with, with you know, verses to come, you know, but business going to business, you know. Yeah, I also just want to quickly comment on the kind of Instagram announcement because I'm reading an article and it's got a screenshot of it. Very similar to Tidal, very, very similar. Finally, something that the creatives own officially by the artist with, wait, by the artist for the artist with the people. I'm just intrigued in how, how, how things <laughs> are sold um, to the masses um, when it comes to creativity and kind of separating that from entrepreneurship um, because it's the same strategy was used for Tidal and their criticism surrounding that as well. So uh, I'm intrigued. I'm just intrigued in how it was worded. Um, but we will see. I agree. Someone actually said that if you're going to sell something, just sell it. Stop trying to make it a community effort. And I agree 100%. Like, <laughs> if you're going to literally, if you're going to, thanks, Chauvet, but if you're going to um, do business, stop trying to make it a communal thing if it's not. Like, obviously, the shareholder thing is, I'm not benefiting from it. I'm not getting a penny. I'm still broke. So what's what's going to happen here? Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, that is not for me resenting them for anything. It's just me saying, like, just, just sell your business. Do your thing. You know, we sold this today. Da, 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 champagne, click, click, all of that. Do all of that. I don't like the false sense of co-opting community rhetoric because it's not really going to benefit the community. And just, I think, kind of like what you said, Eden, about the American dream and, like, what Chopin said around questioning why the announcement was like that and all of this. It's kind of like, listen, it just they're just co-opting language at this point, you know, and, and selling an idea, whether it's the American dream community, um, artistic, entrepreneurship, it's... All of these concepts just are used to get consumer buy-in. Again, we are the product. They want us to buy in and download Triller. That's what they want. That is the bottom line. They want us to be a part of the future for what for what they're doing to to help them gain money. It's just like Nike's just do it. You know, that's the community message. You know, just do it, you know, and do it with us. That's basically kind of the anecdote, the asterisks that they have in there. So all of these announcements with their whole kind of spiel around this is for the community, the future of music, this got innovation. Like, no, you're just doing a brand partnership, bro. Like, it's cool. Like, it's all good. But um, I am interested to see what Trader can do that Apple couldn't do for them. I know financially it probably lined their pockets a bit more, but um, what 
yeah, I'm just interested. Can they leverage that community on Triller? I didn't know that Triller had money like that. I can't even lie. Like when I thought of Triller, I, I actually didn't know it was a massive company. I thought it was something that was just low key because I don't really see people. Well, I'm not on social media, but when I was, I, I don't really see people using Triller like that. So I'm, I was surprised that it's actually got this massive amount of money to invest in a business like um, um, versus especially versus, specifically yeah. when it was in partnership with Apple at some point so you know they they actually are valued by massive Goliath companies so I mean yeah we'll see what happens um, I think we've kind of exha- exhausted um, the kind of decision um, that was made um, there are some good points and some questionable parts which is going to be everything in life but um, I'm glad that so many artists who are from outside of the US as well now have the opportunity to own some form of their music as well um, through verses. So that's good. Do they? Yeah, no. Well, the the, the Beanie Man and Bounty. Yeah, that's, that, who, I was, think that's, yeah, what, that's yeah. who I was referring to. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, we'll, move, we'll swiftly move on into the final news item of the week. Um, it kind of centres a similar theme to what we've already discussed in award shows. But... Um, this is to do with the continuation of a story I believe we reported on before uh, or commented on from our accounts or something like that. We definitely put some commentary out before, but um, this is to do with The weekend, And The weekend um, has pledged a permanent boycott of the Grammys, um, alleging corruption within its nomination process. Um, so he told The New York Times this week, because of the secret committees, I will no longer allow my label to submit music to the Grammys. Um, the committees that um, The weekend is referring to are selected by the Recording Academy themselves. And this is to review the nominations by its huge voting membership. So obviously on a, uh, on a nom- membership level, sorry, the nominations are made, then they are reviewed. Um, so there's a hierarchy there. So they retain executive power over who makes the official shortlist. So this is the... Um, the committees above the kind of nomination membership um so they are also able to add artists who receive zero nominations in all but the four primary categories so they actually have a lot of institutional power like this this committee you know these committees have bigger power than just being an honorary kind of voting membership member you know there's there's definitely a lot of power that they could wield in some of these awards year on year but um despite having the biggest song of 2020 with blinding lights um and obviously the double platinum now after hours which was released last year too um the weekend did receive no nominations for the grammys um he did obviously tweet in response the grammys remain corrupt you owe me my fans and industry transparency obviously there's been big exposés in the last year two years um and kind of over the course of the grammy's existence to be honest through, through various members um and artists as well like tyler the creator in recent history but there's been many prince drake like so many members um past and present have called the grammys out for their perceived um corruptions adele you know um but 
the the weekend obviously announced the boycott recently so he doubled down on obviously the corruption comments made before grammy's interim president so obviously while they're going through some institutional issues um harvey mason jr told the new york times we are disappointed when anyone is upset but i will say that we are constantly evolving in this year as in past years we are going to take a hard look on how to improve our awards process including the nomination review committees so the community the, the committee sorry that i just said wields that higher stake of power um mason said that the nomination review committees were established in 1989 just a bit of history for you guys and it was to eliminate the potential for a general awareness bias that, that might favor artists who enjoy greater name recognition over emerging artists independent music and late year releases um so yeah the weekend is obviously as i just mentioned a part of a community that have questioned the integrity of the event um after it appeared to snub specifically black artistry specifically in the main four categories as well um the last black artist to win album of the year one of the big four was herbie hancock in 2008 for um a tribute to johnny mitchell so after the weekend received zero nominations um for the 20 21 awards drake i didn't even know this actually drake called for the grammys to be replaced with something new that we can build up over time and pass on to the generations to come i actually didn't know that drake came into the weekend's defense obviously they are long-term friends and and former business partners but i did not know that he came to his defense but yeah that is the main story um the rest of this article from The Guardian just goes into the amount of criticism that is received from like Kanye West, Slain Malik, Beyonce, um, just loads of different people, even Billie Eilish, who's won some awards too. But um, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on this particular news of the weekend um, and his accusations of, I feel like we've had this conversation before, but we can have it again, um, of bias and corruption? I think the majority of people wouldn't be surprised by this. Um, I think there's a general kind of understanding that when it comes to these award shows, Emmys, Oscars, um, Grammys, all of these different types of things, that there is kind of a selection process that is quite biased. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not surprised by any of this at all. Um, I'm not privy to any of it, but I kind of, understand where the weekend is coming from um i honestly don't know where else there is to go of this story because we've spoken about it so many different times when it comes to the grammys um it just sounds like there needs to be more options out there for people to actually get recognition but then we've had the conversation of are award shows kind of necessary anymore um do they need to be around do people need to get this type of recognition for um the music industry especially when it's quite corrupt and people don't actually get recognition for the great music that they're putting out um with regards to the weekend's decision i respect his decision um same with kanye west and everyone else who kind of boycotts the grammys um but we'll just have to see what happens i don't think anything is going to change with regards to um, how the process operates um i do think it's part of making sure that there's a certain um standard to the music industry um and kind of control when it comes to who is successful but let's stay optimistic we don't know what's going to happen um, maybe the grammys will find a way to change how they operate but i don't know if i'm being honest so we'll see what happens um 
I don't really know what to say. I mean, I guess, I guess, good for him because, you know. But I guess in the end, what do you want out of this? Like, at the end of the day, this album, this era of yours, is still not going to be nominated. You have like three other Grammys you've won before, been nominated many times before. And I guess, I guess it's good. I'm guess I'm kind of here for it at the same time. Even though like Eden has said, like echo his his sentiments. Like um, it's. I don't really know how I feel about the Grammys or award shows in general. I do feel like they're becoming very antiquated and needless and unnecessary. But at the same token, I think all of us, at some point, we still get a bit like excited when someone we like or an album or project we like gets recognised. Because it's still in our mind, in our psyches, deep down, we still recognise it as the thing that matters. I think we can all agree on that. Even though we can see from the surface that there's a lot of... Um, uh, how can I phrase it? A lot of stuff that needs to be changed and a lot of bullshit within the institution and with the actual awards themselves. Um, you know, and it even goes back to this idea that, well, it's not actually been confirmed. I think people have just been like making their own stories. But so Beyonce isn't performing this year and people are making stories because she's, it's in response to her being stamped in the past, which if it's true, then good for her because, you know, fair. Why should uh, the Grammys continue to use her for ratings and entertainment if not actually going to give her the award she's deserving of because she was definitely deserving of Album of the Year for, for Lemonade or and or self-titled. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't really like it. I don't really know what else to say, really. But um, I just, I think on the whole idea of like getting our own award shows, but like we have the BET Awards, we have the Soul Train Awards and you niggas don't turn up to that. You don't show up for that one. <laughs> And it's true. I'm sorry. It's true though. Like when was when was the last time the weekend went to the Soul Train Awards? When you lost the BT Awards? Yeah. And you're nominated every year. It's true. It is Guaranteed. True. And the thing is, that obviously, is the argument that those award shows aren't perfect either, because I do think they need to be more expensive about what blackness is or what black music is. Same with the Mobos. It has its own issues in terms of encapsulating what black music is and what kind of because you know, it can it can be very mainstream black very mainstream R&B and hip hop when we take into account other genres that aren't traditionally done by us in today's world like you know like country or rock and roll kind of electronic and stuff like that so it's its own issues but for the most part the NAACP awards the image awards the BT or social training awards they support you people but you don't turn up mm. you don't show up for those awards you, you'll send in your zoom video oh hey guys thanks for this award could be there tonight and, blah, blah, blah. and you're out here clamoring and streaming and pushing to like to make it to the Grammys and the American Music Awards. So the weekend, if this is your energy, I expect to see you on on Zoom this year, the BT Awards. I expect I expect to see you there. Um, but no, um, I, I was like, but I'm weird. I'm I'm in two minds. Like I don't really care. But I'm kind of here for at the same time. Like you know, like boycott them because obviously he's a massive superstar now. He's a big guy, so like it, it does definitely carry some weight. If someone like him is boycotting the awards now, you've got Drake and Nicki also commenting on it, and now allegedly Beyonce is not performing for similar reasons. It's like if this is what if we actually are going to see an, um, some sort of a protest, um, a rebuffing of the dissertation en masse, then great, let's see what happens. You know, yeah, but, I, I, yeah. My thing is like if on a communal level. Um, I feel like the artists need to be more in community with one another, not when it happens on a personal yes, level. Agreed. But that prop that's an idealistic sense of mind. It, it won't happen. But um, um, in terms of my thoughts, I kind of just get happy when I see um, 
I kind of get happy when I see award nominations just because I know that their career prospects exactly. will prosper. In terms of a personal level, though, I'm fully off the ship of awards. Like, I'm done. Like, I don't get excited. Like, the reason that I found out about the weekends thing with the VMAs was literally on Twitter. I was not watching. Um, I do not watch these award shows anymore. They they rarely excite me. The only reason I did watch was when you were involved in some shows last year from a PR perspective, because I wanted to see how, like, everything came together. And I was intrigued with the MOBOs being off for, like, two years. Um, and then for Avorian Doll's performance on the GRM Awards, I just wanted to see how her choreographer like got it together and stuff. So in terms of those two, like I made the exceptions last year, but in terms of the main big American award shows and stuff like that, and even the Brits, um, last year I went to them obviously because I got a ticket, but I'm watching them year on year. It's not really exciting, the kid no more. Like I'm just like, this is a space. When I look at the people who are in heads of positions of these award shows they don't represent me and they don't know music like that in terms of the streets they don't know the street like it's obviously we've got some producers on grammy committees i'm not talking about the committees and nomination process i'm talking about the people in control of the whole structure and who continue to advocate for the structure you guys like have a very western-centric pigeonholed view of art um, and high art, we let's talk about that high art versus normal art. Like, let's talk about that whole that, that whole thing, which is conventional from museums to, to which fashion. is inherently like, racialized. Definitely, it's heavy. That's what I'm saying. It's heavily racialized, and this is the club that Kanye West still wants to get into. This is the Virgil Abloh club. This is the people who really still knock at these doors, ASAP Rocky, um, and still want this validation. It's even worse in fashion. Like, let's talk about it. Like, the fashion houses are not looking at black people, like, really and truly. But um, in terms of art as a whole, I just think we need to reframe. Again, this is super idealistic. It's not going to happen en masse anytime soon. But, um, yeah, I'm just over it. Like, what I like is what I like. You know, what my community and people who I know know music like is what they like. And that's it. Like, look into the Grammys to dictate what I should listen to this year is not it for me. And it will never be it. always late, always retired, like always just not on the curve, on the pulse of what's going on and what has happened in the year prior. I've said these grand speeches that are 20 minutes long on this podcast, but I genuinely mean it. Like, I don't care for tomorrow. Well, tomorrow is Sunday. We recorded on Saturday. I don't care for it. Sometimes the outfits, you know, I like a bit of fashion. What are they wearing? All that kind of shit. Cool but I'm really not. Performances on YouTube exactly. if it's an artist I like, but I'm not giving you my, di well, I couldn't anyway, I don't live in the United States, but I'm not giving direct viewership to some of these award shows. I see you too, the area here. Yeah, again, late. <laughs> again, this is another late thing, not airing things live. Like you're just not in my, you don't cater to me. You're, I'm not your demographic. I'm not who should be what, do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm just not, politically, I'm mm -hmm. not on the same page. I shouldn't be watching it. They, they're not aligned with my, thoughts you know they're not aligned with how i feel like it's just mm. i'm the wrong demo for it i'm just the wrong demo and it is what it is the weekend you know whatever protest but again this happened when you specifically got rejected not in community and a lot and i'm not saying he's the only one artists only get personally offended when they are left out of the table not invited to the mm -hmm. rock nation branch not given a jay-z mm -hmm. clink clink glass Speak on not, it. not validated That's right. by sean john and even these even awards as general like even the black award shows like again how can a small community of like a really small minority of people tell me that something's good or something's bad or something is the greatest thing it's just like that whole framework of judging art for me it's 
it's over. Like, I don't look at it like that. And, you know, even as a writer, sometimes I'm like, people should not just take my opinion as the thing. You know what I mean? Like, read it in a grand spectrum of different thoughts and, like, just just judge for yourself and disagree with me. If you have, if you have arguments and stuff with why you think something's not the way Pastor Lou pronounced something isn't great because of X, Y, and Z or his palate isn't great because of this, have your own opinion. Like I'm not the arbiter of what's great and what's not. And either is any writer, either is any award ceremony. We're not, we're just not. And I think how we judge art is very, as Eden, I think said, or you, um, archaic. Like we, with it's very archaic and it's like, there's not a cultural diversity at the top highest levels of these, these boards. There's not a genuine kind of, there's not a class diversity in this as well to, to represent art that's kind of in, in the streets or whatever you want to call it or not conventional art forms, which are, you know, accredited universities or institutions and stuff like that. And let's talk around, let's talk about the Brit school and what that, that alludes to. And let's talk about the academies and these funneling processes that kind of, you have to go through sometimes to become the certain kind of caliber of artist and all of this it's just kind of like even with this rena news i'm like on one hand great because you can finally feel acceptance and validated but i'm like on the other hand i'm like why do you feel the need to feel that validation yeah. but i get it career yeah. in the music business i get mm. all of it but i'm just like on a personal level if you ever ask me i'm like it's not it's not a thing that i want to um purport anymore it's not something that I want to uphold anymore it's not something that I want to support anymore it's just not because it, they've shown us for decades at this point mo most of them that it's just not intuitive it's not diverse it's not it's not truly representative of everything you know and some they've got it wrong not just by accident it's intentional and when something's intentionally being institutionally racist or institutionally um, non-diverse or discriminatory, what is the point in continuing to empower that? What is the point? The expose came out from someone in the Grammys board, head of a, a Grammys division. Like, it, I don't know. I'm just so over the redundant discussion sometimes. Like, it's just so, like- I agree. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on print shit, to be honest. I'm on my print shit. I wish he was still alive. I'm on my print shit, like, for real. Like, and I am too, but it's got a twist about Rena because this I'm saying that because unfortunately, or fortunately, how you want to look at it, because it can really do so much for an artist's career. And obviously we are a proponent of good music and good artists. We want to see music we love, you know, get the shine it deserves. So like, we there is a, a, a joy. So even though like last, the nominations this year, most of them are bullshit. I'm going to say again, like I was very surprised that Luke James's album was not the best album. Because you guys know, both of you know that that was an album that I championed last year. I championed that. And I was like, wow, sure. this album actually got nominated. Like, okay, you got something, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to lie. If he wins, Unlikely, but if he wins, I'm not gonna lie, I'd be very happy because I'm like, that's an album that deserves the validation and recognition and the press that would come from winning a Grammy. You know what I mean? Even though the Grammys are bullshit, but I know it will do so much for him and I feel like he's so I deserving. But at the same token, like, I agree with you, like, you. politically, um, institutionally, I'm just like, ugh, I don't really care, meh, a lot of, a lot of nonsense, a lot of politics, a lot of kissing asses. Um, a lot of secret clubs. Yes, yes, 
a lot of nepotism a lot of nepotism as well a lot of independent artists don't have those connections and it's like again i'm just like we they and all of these statements online i completely get it all of that but like we genuinely just like need to divest from these award shows in mass like i just really would love imagine if no one turned up like tomorrow like just imagine what kind of a statement that would make like imagine if like two three four artists were the only ones to turn up and they were blindsided like you guys damson idris just told a story around being on zoom for jay-z for someone's party lenny i believe from rock and there were like 40 different artists on there all like mainly black predominantly from what he said imagine if they were talking about how to really challenge like these industries together imagine if they were talking about i don't care if you're nominated viola i don't care if you're nominated like let's not turn up in mass because we know that viola is one of the greatest actresses to we know that we don't need these these awards to validate us and all this kind of stuff i just wish that there was more sense spoken about in the industry and not singular approaches where it was like oh the weekend got didn't get nominated so i'm just going to do this on my own why don't you talk to all your to, to canadian artists and like get get some initiatives together why don't you talk to you're the biggest pops one of the biggest pop stars why don't you talk to your peers you know ariana's spoken out a little bit in the past before what well, obviously nikki has and all that kind of stuff why don't you do a zoom call with it it's just like being more intuitive and intentional because you as a singular person isn't going to make change. MLK, Marcus Garvey, all of that, they were not just singular figures. They had a whole community and a whole mm -hmm. kind of, um, a whole kind of ecosystem, you know, mainly non-hierarchical. Obviously it has some issues, Black Panther, we mm -hmm. all know they have hierarchical issues, but they try to be as democratic as possible. Um, despite some problematic tendencies and look at the change that happened they, they organized, organized. It was intentional and it was around political practice you know and i'm just like if they could really do something genuinely like the industry figures if they just turned on their brains and rock nation brunch could really do something if they wanted to if they just did a speech and like really jay-z you know the power he has like even people respect he could say that the sky is green and people would believe that but just because of his position he could use that to really leverage some kind of like he could have said it, the, the the rock nation brunch traditionally happens two days or a day before the actual grammys he could just be like don't go tomorrow guys if you support nipsey hustle like if you support whatever political anchor he wanted to use like he could just say that if you guys support just artistry just just don't turn up i'm not just don't turn up the amount of people that wouldn't turn up would be even if it was just black talent that would be a political sign if it was just black talent it would be a it would massive be deal it would be huge and he has revolt network to report on it and do the news coverage he could really disturb he has that with diddy and stuff like that they could really disturb the industry if they wanted to yes disturb they, excellent they, words. i don't yes. know like i just don't that people are so singular in their mindsets but only come together as a community to like flex and it's like less yeah. i mean nipsey i mean nipsey would have done this like probably done this kind of movements but nicholas terrell please repeat that I, last I, sentence please what did I, was I, what did I what was it what was it i was in my they only come together as a community yes to like flex. that is the motherfucking like, truth that is, oh, that is literally the yes. community that we, we live in. And that could be in economics. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that could be in politics sometimes. Like, representational politics, identity politics. It could be... Cos cosmetic. It it's, is. It's cosmetic. It's That's all it is. And it's like, Diddy makes the same iteration of the political speech that he makes every year. But I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. 
where we at though because jay-z yeah let's talk about it. all these meek mill meek mill there's so many figures <laughs> make, you know kendrick lamar was respectability politics we're not going to forget that like there's definitely some people j, j. cole is like you know i'm the first one to say it like it's just where's the no names of the higher echelon i was, of I was gonna say that street? oh my like, god where's where are they i mean you prince know. obviously prince and my and do you know what mj like i just want our big pop figures to be political like that disrupt talk about sony talk about universal because i know there's things to say because i've heard stories talk about them like i'm so I'm glad just, you like, said that where and is the no name energy? The weekend is like Where a is descendant it? of Prince. Miguel is a descendant of um no, the weekend is a descendant of MJ. Miguel is a descendant of Prince. Like embody their politics. Like because they had pol- Janet. Janet had politics even like back in the day and stuff like that. And it's like, fucking hell, like where is it? Because I just don't see it anymore. I just see performance. Lupe Fiasco was probably the, one of the last mainstream cats who was really talking, really talking to the fact where his record label stepped in and said, hey, you know, this ain't it. You know, we're going to cut some strings if you keep talking. And they did, you know. So I don't know. I don't know how long, much longer I can have this speech. People listening just know that that's where I'm at, and that's where most of us are probably at, and to us to a varying degree politically in terms of music. Because, man, I can't take the performances anymore. I can't. If the weekend, I want to see some more action. Jay Z wants to see some more action. You know, Meek Mill action. Um, Diddy, Diddy, like front and center. I want to see more action. Beyonce, if those were the reasons, action. Adele, actions. Like, don't go and sit there every year because you're not proving anything. You're proving that you still empower the systems that that still has a hold over you. So, boy, that's it. That's it. That's all I got. And I probably went on for longer than I have in all the rants that I do. No, and I'm, I'm so glad you did. And I think all three of us really came with very poignant points in, in our own ways. Yeah, I also just want to add the fact that, um, shout out to... Um, I can't remember what generation it was, but it was when Will Smith and a few other rappers kind of boycotted the Grammys because they didn't have a rap category. Um, I think that's what Nick is essentially asking for. Nick and Chope, sorry, are asking for when it comes to some form of like a rally to say we're not accepting this type of... um, They're not accepting... I can't think of the word, but they're not accepting that kind of, let's say, cheating, um, for example. Um, Or erasure. Or erasure, yeah. I do think there is some form of... um, retribution for the grammys if they actually listen to the artists who are kind of struggling so yeah nick you made some great points and um i do think that it's a question of what exactly people want to happen i do think there is a question of ego in a lot of these situations um nick made a very very good point about how people only seem to have an issue when it happens to them um so the weekend saying this now um when say beyonce has been snubbed for example or um, there's other artists that have been snubbed is a question it's something we can say um, but also it, it's hard to say because the weekend wasn't at a position where something like this could benefit his career or make a difference to his career or any of those different types of things so yeah we'll see what happens um, I doubt anything will happen with the Grammys because it's so entrenched in the music culture um, as an idea but I do see the younger generations kind of veering away from the kind of recognition of the Grammys as this massive thing um, but we'll see what happens I don't watch the performances anymore I know Nick and Chope don't 
Oh, actually, I think it depends who's performing. Um, but I, I won't be watching the Grammys, so I won't even know if it makes no, a difference. No, it's kind of like the whole NFL debate, right, with Colin and, like, people still watching year on year for the Super Bowl. Like, obviously, I've watched clips on YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I have, to be honest with you, that is something I need to divest from in terms of the actual performance. But um, in terms of the actual game, like, people will every year just be like, I don't care, I'm watching the game. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, where does your politics actually lie? Like, that is the question I have for a lot of people. Because for the Brits, I know that I haven't actually aired them in years. You know, for the Grammys, it's been a dub, been a dub. VMAs, been a dub. And a lot of these award shows, you know? So just put your politics where you actually, your mouth is. You know, if you're making a statement, put the politics there and that's it and it's not even just to be performative it's actually just for having integrity for something as well that's my thing i just want to see more eyes with integrity because the thing is these people's idols had the integrity like prince was chatting some shit okay throughout his career he was chatting some shit but the only critique i'll give him is he did attend some of these award shows so you know is what it is but um yeah Hopefully we see something, even if it's a small, like maybe not the mainstream, but like just under B-list celebs or something like that would be, that would even be something cool to see. But that's it. That's where we're at. You know, our thoughts, we bring this up year on year because the Grammys come up year on year. But um, yeah, I think we're done with the news, to be honest. Cool. Well, thanks for directing the news, Nick. And thank you for the music section, um, Shopee. So that is the end of the episode for today, guys. If you have anything you want to bring up, remember to use the hashtag D-A-T-S-P-O-D as we are Don't Alert the Stands. You can find us on all um, streaming platforms. So that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the like. If you enjoyed the episode, please can you rate us five stars and leave us a review of some kind. We love to hear from you and love to hear how we can improve as a podcast. Um, as I said in the beginning of the episode, shout out to The Motion. I hope um, you guys love that podcast recommendation. Um, and please let her know that we sent you um, just so she's aware that we kind of are aware of her as well. Um, and that is it, really. That is all from Don't Let The Stands today. Peace. Peace.